brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Work From Your Happy Place, the podcast that equips you with the tools, know-how, and motivation to live your dreams and find your happy place. Be sure to sign up for our free weekly newsletter for a recap of the week's guests and a preview of what's in store. To sign up, simply text the word happy place with no space to 33444. Now, it's my pleasure to introduce the host of Work From Your Happy Place, Belinda Ellsworth. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Work From Your Happy Place. I'm Belinda Ellsworth, and I have a great guest in store for you today. This is part of our artist edition. I have Bree Noble with me. And Bree Noble quit her corporate job as director of finance to pursue music. She founded Women of Substance Radio to promote quality female artists in all genres. She hosts the Profitable Musician Show podcast, where she teaches musicians how to tap into multiple streams of income. She turned her signature framework, the Musicians Profit Path into a presentation for conferences and best-selling book. Bree has created several educational programs for musicians, including the Musicians Profit Path Accelerator and Rock Your Next Release. It is my pleasure to welcome Bree to our show today. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So Bree, let's just get to know you a little bit. Tell us about your background, your journey, and then gosh, all the great things that you're doing right now for artists. Oh my goodness. Okay, I'll try not to make this too long. But um, <laughs> so as most musicians, you know, I grew up singing all the time, um, trying to figure out kind of where I fit as far as, as singing, you know, did stuff at church, did stuff, musical theater. Um, and I ended up being in like pretty much every choir that my high school offered. And I just loved being involved in music. So I decided to go get my degree in music from Westmont College. It's in Santa Barbara, California. And um, I was going to major in vocal performance. And so I did that. But then a little ways into that, I think my sophomore year, I was kind of like, okay, so I don't know, I don't really want to teach like, what am I going to do with this music degree? And I started to realize that my school wasn't teaching me anything about what to do with it after college. Like they were making me this amazing musician, 
but Mm -hmm. then I really didn't have any clue what I was going to do with it. So I decided to get a double degree in business um, because it was a liberal arts school. So we didn't really have music business as part of the music degree. So I got a second degree in business with an emphasis in accounting and management. And then as suspected, like when I left school, I ended up getting married, um, moving south to Irvine when my husband was getting his doctorate. And, you know, we didn't know anyone there. It was totally new to that area. And I was like, I have no idea how to build a music business from here. So I ended up going to work in accounting and management and ended up after a few years becoming the director of finance at an opera company in Orange County, California. We were one of the top 15 opera companies in the U.S. So that was a cool experience um, getting to, you know, work around all these artists going to all these operas and fancy parties and things. And I worked there as a director of finance for five years. Um, But it was also, you know, I was trying to build my music career on the side. And I was hanging out with all these artists who were living their dream. And, you know, they wanted to be opera stars. I didn't want to be an opera star. I wanted to be a singer songwriter. Um, But it was it was kind of hard seeing them, you know, doing what they wanted to do, writing them nice big paychecks uh, to do what they wanted to do. And I was still struggling trying to figure out what to do to build my own music career on the side. So I was joining all these bands, um, kind of, you know, going on to like the classified sections of all, you know, kind of like the recycler and, 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 you know, circulars like that, Mm -hmm. trying to find bands that were looking for people. And um, partly because I didn't have the confidence in myself as an artist and so I thought, well, if I just find a band, I could just kind of fit into their brand and and I could, you know, then have a music career that way. And I did that several times and it usually ended in disaster <laughs> uh, for different reasons. Um, and then so finally, I actually at working at the opera, um, it was quite a stressful job because it's a nonprofit and the money is very up and down and I was in charge of the money. So um but not in charge of bringing in the money. I just had to manage the money that we had. So when we had no money, I like the buck stopped with me, but yet I couldn't really do anything to increase the money. So it was pretty stressful. Um, and I actually ended up developing an autoimmune disease um, while I was there. It's genetic, so it could have happened anyway, but the stress of working there and having you know, all the money issues um, and then having a, my first daughter, um, really kind of sent me into this like health spiral. And so I managed to, after, you know, trying to manage this health issue, having a baby and running a director of finance position at an opera, I finally figured out kind of an exit plan for myself and to get out of that because I was just not, I was getting sicker. I spent some time in the hospital and all of that. And so, um, it was during that early 2000s period when housing in California was going up and up and up. And uh, so I managed to figure, I went like down the street to this open house and I was like, wait, what? They're selling their house for what? (laughs) And so I realized that, you know, we could sell our house that we had only bought three years earlier for almost double what we bought it for. So I managed to um, create an exit plan there and be able to have that money to cover the fact that I 
ended up quitting my full-time job. We moved closer to my husband's job. Um, he's a professor at a university. And, um, but at that time I was making more than he was because he was a new professor. You know, he had gotten right. started. He had just started as a professor and I was making a good deal more than him. And so then just to get down to our income, but I then didn't have to pay for, you know, childcare and all of that. So it was a good trade-off at that time. Um, and I ended up being able to work part-time at the opera anyway, because the person that I hired was like, you know, I really don't want to do X, Y, and Z. And I know you had know how to do it. You want to keep doing it. So that worked out. Uh, it was kind of those early years of being able to work over the internet. So I did that for an additional five years until the opera went under in 2009 because of the 2008 financial crash. But during that time, I was able to start building my music career. And yes, I had a one-year-old, um, but I just kind of dug in and tried to figure out how to build a career without having being part of someone else's band, you know, realizing mm -hmm. if I'm going to do this, I need to be my own artist. I need to be confident in the fact that people would come out to see me. And that was a hard one to get over for me because although I knew that I was a good singer, a decent songwriter, I just felt so exposed, you know, being, mm -hmm. being my own artist. So that was kind of a transition period for me. Um, and building my career basically from scratch and starting with my church and kind of those circles of people that I knew from my church and building out from there. And so that was when I had little kids, that's what I was doing. And I started touring and I would drag my kids along with me on tour, um, which I think was a cool experience for them. And I was able to do that, you know, while they were younger than kindergarten and then it's right. difficult. So yeah, <laughs> that, after that, that school I, thing always puts a monkey wrench in everything. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but you know, I mean I could have totally gone on doing that, but it was it was a nice transition um when I had my second daughter and then, you know, it just my first daughter was five years older than the second one. So she started being able to, you know, needing to stay behind for school. And I did a couple of tours with my little one. And then I was just like, this is too hard. You know, it's mm -hmm. too hard because I'd have to leave my other daughter home and I'd have to make sure that she had somewhere to go after school and all of that stuff. So I ended up quitting touring um, and deciding to go all in more on helping other musicians to build what I was able to build because I was so frustrated in the beginning, not knowing how to do it. And in the meantime, as you mentioned in my bio, um, along the way, while I was a, mus a touring musician, I also started building this online radio station called Women of Substance. It started out as a, a total hobby. And then I just met so many great indie female artists. And I was like, why is nobody hearing their music on the radio or Sirius XM? So I started building this platform to raise them up. And right around that time when I stopped touring, I thought, you know, I can, I can go further with this. I can make this a commercial station and because it was really catching on. And so I did that. I moved it into a podcast eventually in 2014. And I had built up a large list of all these women whose music I was promoting. And they started asking me a lot of questions on how I built my music career uh, as a touring artist when I was doing that. And so then I just started helping them. And so that's where I built my first educational program, the Female Mus uh, Female Musician Academy, 
in 2015 because I had all these female artists and I okay. love working with, with females. And I thought, you know, we need more representation. And I was especially focusing on, uh, I had attracted a lot of older artists because of the fact that I had like not even started my music career until I was 31. <laughs> and so, you know, they really resonated with that. And I was a mom, you know, a lot of women think, Oh, now that you're a mo mom, you have to give it up. And so, you know, that's how I started working with artists and, so over the years, I developed several different programs. I did some uh, summits, and my summits were called the Profitable Musician Summit, and that went over really well because I just, as a finance person, I wanted to help musicians make more money. And so that is you know, how I kind of transitioned into this brand of the Profitable Musician. And my goal is just to help musicians make money so they can keep making music. Yep. Gosh, you brought up so many points <laughs> in that story. Woo! That was a that was a great. Thank you for that introduction because it really gave us a clear sort of vision of your journey. But I think the one thing you said is we find it still to be true today is that people can go to school for 4 years, they can get a BFA, but there's a very little instruction about the transition out of school into how to start earning a living as an artist. And that is sort of that piece that is not really being addressed. Yeah, I think it's getting better. And a lot of yep. schools do have business programs. Um, but sometimes, you know, if you're focused on really uh, improving your craft, you know, really becoming an amazing vocalist, you don't have time to take the business stuff. You know, right. your, your, your track is all about you being the best vocalist you can be. And that's great. But then you get out, it's like, am I either going to perform or I'm going to teach that like, those are the only options because I, and, and performing, you know, the only route that you see at that point is I'm going to, you know, become a resident artist at a opera company or, you know, there's just not a lot of options if you don't know how to build a business around your personal brand. Um, and, and I think a lot of schools do have business classes now, which is great, mm -hmm. but you know, if you go to a, like more of a conservative conservatory model, which mine really was, although it was a liberal arts school, like the music part was really more of a conservatory model. You're not going to get that business stuff. Right. So tell me, let's, let's just uh, a couple questions and then I want to dive more into how you're helping artists today. So um, favorite performance of yours, like favorite performance or project? Um, I mean, I would definitely say performing at Dodger Stadium um, in 2007. I got the opportunity to perform in front of like 60,000 people uh, do, to do the national anthem. And that was definitely a highlight because I probably will never perform for that many people again in my life. <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful. And I know that's a good memory, right? Yes. Absolutely. Now, everybody's got sort of their superpowers, skill sets that really help them in their journey, no matter what that is, whether it's business or uh, being artistic or whatever that looks like. So what do you what have you identified as sort of your superpowers that have sort of helped you in this journey? Yeah, I mean, for me, it really was that I was a speaker as well as a singer you know, and a songwriter, like I was always trying to tell a story, whether it was with my music, or with the speaking that I did around my music. So my music really didn't take off until I combined it with telling stories. 
because that was number one, something that everybody could really latch onto because you can tell stories in your music and sometimes people will get it and sometimes people won't get it. Um, so if you're able to really, you know, tell compelling stories and then perform a song about that story, man, that really sticks with the audience and it makes them want to relive like that story and how much they enjoyed that. And that helps with people buying your music. So that was one big thing as far as like connecting with the audience, but also getting gigs. Because if you can bill yourself as a speaker, then it's so much easier to get gigs. Or you can bill yourself as offering a particular program that has a theme. And, you know, that is really how my music career took off was by doing that. And I didn't make this up. You know, I was at one of our Mothers of Preschoolers uh, events because I had a preschooler and I wanted to get out of the house and have, get some free babysitting and, you know, meet some people. So mm -hmm. I was there and I saw somebody who came to that group and she did just that. You know, she had a program where she was doing some songs and then telling some stories. And I'm like, I could do that. I could totally do that. And so <laughs> I just started doing that, you know, but I would never maybe have realized that that's what I should do if I hadn't have seen that in action. Wow, I love that. And it's, sometimes that's all it takes for us is to see somebody else doing something that we recognize. I, I could totally do that. I have that skill. Mm -hmm. And it opens up a whole new just way of doing things or a whole new career even, you know, because that probably has led you to then what led you to the next step, which led you to the next step, which is exciting. Yeah. And I think, you know, one big thing that I didn't even touch on when I was in college, I was also in a performing ensemble that kind of went out and promoted the college. And so we would, we would perform at all kinds of churches and, and, and juvenile halls and, and community events and things like that. And we were required to do some talking during that, you know, we had to introduce our song where we had a solo or whatever. And, you know, we were required to like come up with something to introduce the song. And I think that really over the four years that I did that, that really built that skill in me mm -hmm. and made me think I could do that. You know, if I had not had that experience, I would be like, speak in front of people for 45 minutes. No way. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's great. And I think that's, a, that's, I think everybody should try to put themselves in positions where they learn to speak for explain something or just get in front of a, a group. I'm, I was asked very early on in my career to share how was I being so successful with sales. And so I would get up and share. And then I, I learned to hone that skill mm -hmm. on sharing, like what makes it interesting? How do you get to the point quickly? And I'm blown away predominantly at when I go to like, my kids' school performances and now my grandkids' school performances and the music director or whoever that might be is getting up just to introduce, you know, say hello to the crowd and say, here's what our program and here's what we've been working on. They struggle holding a microphone. Oh. They struggle oh, yeah. even explaining to the audience what they're going to do. And I'm thinking to myself, goodness gracious, like they just need some basic skills and in 
speaking or and being able to talk to an audience or the parents there. It's it's it really is mind boggling to me. For sure. And musicians can just bear their entire soul, like lay themselves naked in front of an audience in a song. Right. And then they can't say anything outside. You know, they're just like, and my next song is, you know. Exactly. And that's a real art in transitioning. It's a real art um, engaging with an audience and, and letting them see into you just a little bit. That's how they fall in love with you. I mean, people do fall in love with music, but then they fall in love with that artist. And then that's how they start to follow the artist. Yeah. Absolutely. And so you really do. These days, you really do need to be a personal brand as an artist. And part of that is developing that rapport that you create with the audience, whether it's, I mean, really, it should be on all sides. But you know, whether it's through your writing, like when you're writing emails to your audience or writing social media posts, whether it's doing videos online, or, you know, talking in front of a live audience, you've got to be able to connect with them. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. So I'd love you to just share maybe like three key tips. You kind of did right there, but like, let's dive into it a little bit more. But so you're specializing in helping them find their brand and and really kind of become this musician. So what are some tips that you would give a uh, person starting out in building that brand? Yeah, I mean, the first one is what I call connection points. So like knowing the things about yourself that you want to amplify that will call in the people that are a good fit for being, you know, what I call your perfect fit fans. Um, And for me, when I was doing my music career, it's like, I'm a mom, like, I'm not going to pretend that I'm not a mom. Why don't I? Because, you know, when you're young, you're just like, I don't want anyone to know that like, I'm a mom, because they'll think I'm not cool or whatever. No, like, I want to amplify that because I want to call in the people who are like me, because they're the most likely to really like me as an artist, enjoy my music, because a lot of times I'm writing things in my music about that kind of stuff or the kind of struggles that you go through. So you want to think about the things about yourself that you want to amplify that are going to call in those kinds of people. So like for me, it was, you know, that I'm a mom. And of course, I did a whole program that mentioned a lot of that, that I would do at mothers or preschoolers. So that was one of the things, you know, other things maybe that was like, I'm also, you know, I'm a business person, right? So I would then attract people that either had a business background, or, um, you know, wanted to have their music business take off as a business, like things like that. I ended up attracting a lot of people who were in corporate, and then they retired, and now they want to do their music finally. 
Mm -hmm. Um, or I attracted people who were doing music and then they had to quit because they had kids and then I could help them realize you don't have to quit, you know, things like that. Or also I would talk about things like I was, you know, older when I started my career. So like, I didn't necessarily want to attract people in their twenties. I wanted to attract people that, you know, were, were older. And so I ended up attracting a lot of way older artists than me because they saw that I understood that like, you know, I was not looking for fame or anything like that because I was over it. <laughs> I was in my 30s. So it's fun figuring out the things that you can amplify about yourself that are going to call in those people that are going to be like, oh, yeah, totally. I, I resonate with this person. And then you're, you know, wanting to use a lot of story. So like I said, whether you have a performance um, and you're telling stories in that performance, or you know you're you're on social media and you're doing you know short little vignette stories about things that happen to you as an artist or as a person. Like people are interested in the stories that happen to you as an artist because they're not generally familiar with that kind of thing because they're not an artist and they're intrigued by it, but they're mm -hmm. also interested in the everyday things that happen to you because then they're like, wow, this person, even though they're like this amazing artist, they're like me. Like they tried to make a recipe and it totally failed. You know what I mean? Things like that that are just everyday stuff that that they can recognize. So those are two big things when it comes to branding. And then the other major thing I think is creating your um your people, like your group of people in a place where you can always connect with them. And that's why I'm so big on email list because social media, like you can't be sure that your stuff is being seen by your people, even if your people have, you know, liked your page or they follow you on Instagram. Like it's, it's so up and down mm -hmm. how even my posts, you know, sometimes it's like, wow, I got this out to thousands of people. And other times it's like, wow, 150 people saw this. Why? Like, this is just as good as my other post, right? You know, so you want to, to have a place where you know that they can always see what you're doing and stay connected. And for me as, you know, an artist who is building a, a touring career and stuff, having that email list was so key because, for the people that were decision makers and that were, um, you know, event planners and things, they would be on my list. They would see that stuff was going on, that I was performing. They would kind of keep up with me. And then when they needed somebody, I would immediately be top of mind. Right. I think email, it's going to even become even more important. And I hear people going, oh, e nobody reads emails. Emails are dead. You have to have an email list. And I wish that people would, especially younger people listening to this, it's like any social media. So you've made one really great point, And that is you have no control over who really sees it or doesn't. So that is a big piece right there. But right. the second piece of that is there is no guarantee. This is somebody else's platform. There is no guarantee that any one of those platforms are going to shut down tomorrow. And then right. where where's your tribe, right? You have to have an email list. Even if you do connect with people in multiple ways, you you have to have a way to be able to communicate with that tribe of people who really like you, who follow you, who want to know what your next steps are. Yeah, no, I mean, that is that is really the the point of email. And also just to kind of create a like a relationship with them over time. 
mm-hmm. right? I mean, talk about the big things and the little things. Yep. Because that's, if you think about like your life with a friend, right? You're not always just talking about, oh my gosh, this momentous thing happened to me. It's like, oh gosh, yesterday I got a hangnail or whatever. You know, like obviously we Mm -hmm. don't be that granular about what we talk about, but I'm just saying that not everything has to be like this big deal that you talk about in email. Maybe just a thought occurred to you when something happened and you want to share that. Right. You know, or I started writing a song the other day. Here's, you know, a few of the lyrics. What do you guys think? You know, just just casual stuff like that. And I think people feel this pressure around email that like they always have to have something important to say. Exactly. And it's just, I think, and, and I've even experienced that myself. It's like, here was email originally, then it was like, oh, it has to be value content driven. Right. And then you and you get this whole, oh my gosh, what profound thing can I say today? And then what it would really do to me is paralyze me of communicating at all. Yeah. Like, oh, what can I think about? Or I got to think about something really big and then trying to plan ahead. And, and, and then it becomes crazy. But I have found that if you just... You just like you said, and when you ask people their opinion, they feel like they matter. And I found that those are, and those are great posts too, you know, or those are great engagement because people want to feel sort of part of this journey with you, that they really are sort of an outsider looking in, but they're kind of all on it with you. Absolutely. And the other thing that I see that paralyzes people is they think they need to have different content in every place. And the the thing is, people aren't seeing all of it. So why stress yourself out about, okay, I need to have a post for Facebook, I need to have a post for Instagram, I need to do a TikTok, and I need to do an email all this week, and they all need to be different. They don't. (laughs) You know, pick a theme. Yep. Do it all around that and just, you know, express it in a little bit different ways in each modality. Yep, that's great advice. Absolutely. So, Along that line, we've we've sort of delved into it, but what are some additional ways for people to build their fan base? Uh, um, I mean, TikTok, I've got to say right now, is a great way to build your fan base. It just, it's so, it's so authentic. It, 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 it rewards people who are authentic, which is what I love about it. Because, you know, in the past, especially when Instagram first came out, you felt like everything had to be perfect and... And honestly, I would just not do social media. If I felt like I had to be perfect all the time, I know I'm not going to be. But luckily, somehow I developed, you know, this thing early on where I knew I didn't have to be perfect. And I'm not somebody who is beating myself up if I screw up or if I say the wrong word or whatever, if I look kind of weird or whatever on a video you know, I just move on. And I know that's hard for some people, but Mm -hmm. you've got to develop that thick skin because otherwise you won't do it. You'll just, just like the email, you keep building it up and building it up and and then you just won't do it. It'll paralyze you. So I think that TikTok is a great way to build your fan base right now. Um, But you know, the the biggest thing is you've got to have a way to get people on your email list. And that's kind of the hardest jump to make. And coming up with original ideas of what's going to get people excited to be on your email list, because you can't just, you know, oh, a free download, you know, that's just not good enough anymore. That was early 2010s, you know, people were doing that and it was working well. But now you really want to do something that's going to be interesting and exclusive to your particular people. 
So whether it's, you know, you can, if you join my email list, you can get like exclusive content or you can see things before other people can, you know, hear demos before they become a song. You can, um, maybe even get like in the early days, you can do things that are very unscalable, like sending a personalized video message to everybody that joins your email list. You know, how cool would that be? Mm -hmm. Or obviously once you start joining, you know, having 10 people a day join or even more, you can't be doing that. But, right. but you know, the people that join in the beginning, they are going to be your hardcore fans. Mm -hmm. And so why not just love on them as much as you can even if it is unscalable in the beginning. I agree because then those people are going to tell other people that they should be following you. Yep. They're, you know, they're your super fans, they're your ambassadors. They're they they just are they're your legs and they're going to go out if you treat them well, they're going to go out and tell everybody how awesome you are. <laughs> yep. So I mean, you can do things like offer giveaways, you know, everybody that joins my list in this month, you know, I'm going to put it in a thing and I'm going to go live and I'm going to do a random number generator and call some people out and give some prizes. You know, you can do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You just, you want to get them there because once you get them there, if they like your content, they'll stay. But the other big thing is if you're going to put in the effort to get people on your list, make sure you keep communicating with them. What I've seen so many times is like people work really hard. Oh, I've got an email list of 200. When's the last time you emailed them? Well, I haven't actually emailed them since they joined, you know, like, well, what's the point of that? It is so true. I... I had a person that I was following and just kind of wanted to see, okay, they're sort of do they're starting something new and they're going to do this from scratch. And I'd like to sort of just follow their journey. What's what, what are their steps exactly going to be? And I joined the email list straight away and I got an email maybe like, I don't know, a week later I thought, okay. And then I didn't get any. And so mm -hmm. then I thought, did I get off the list? And sure enough, the person and never sent another email ever. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I'm like, well, that isn't something I want to follow or emulate. So who knows what happened with that? Or they just decided that isn't the direction they wanted to go in. But I, I do think people should sort of map out like a plan of like at least, you know, once a week I'm going to do this or once a month I'm going to do this or every other week I'm going to do this. Just come up with a plan. And and for, for myself, we've been doing this like, gosh, a long time with email lists and we've done it all kinds of different ways. You know, I've done a once a month newsletter and then I've done a once a week quick tip. I've done every other week. I've done, you know, you could do a song. Like there's just so many things you can do, but just whatever you do, stick to it at the beginning or whatever, what your plan is. But no, you can always change the plan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like you said, map it out. If something comes up, you can always be like, oh, you know, this, I put this video out on social media and people loved it. Maybe I should put this in front of my email list yeah. instead. And then you move forward what you had planned. Right. So, but having something there, you don't want to just every time you have to go and go to the well and the well is dry. And then you're just, you know, feeling like really stressed out because you're not feeling creative that day. Exactly. So the next thing I want to talk about, which is a big deal, and I'm so glad that you are helping people with this, but normally on my show, when I say, how do you navigate the business side with the creative side? And the number one answer, hands down, 95% of the time is 
well, I don't do that very well. (laughs) It's the number one answer. And so I would have to say because of that, that's probably one of the greatest challenges that many artists out there have is sort of embracing that this is a, your art is a business and you need to have some business acumen to add to your creative side. So what advice would you give for people sort of learning that or how to incorporate that or how important it is speak to them about how important it is oh yeah i mean this is this is actually why i started my brand to begin with because mm-hmm. i i saw that i i saw so many artists that i would play on women of substance and i would be like thinking to myself this artist is amazing like they must i am so lucky to play them like they must be played here and there and everywhere And then I talk to them and find out that I'm the only one playing their music and that they don't have any clue how to promote themselves. And the other thing I heard is, oh, I'm just waiting to get picked up by a label and then they can do all of that for me. (laughs) And it's not, it wasn't going to happen back then and it's definitely not going to happen now. So, I mean, I think the, the new music business is there is, there is room for everyone and there is opportunity for everyone, but you also, in order to get that opportunity, you have to be able to do the business stuff because there's not anyone going to come in and do it for you. There are no labels there. Are, even if you, let's say you had an indie label, an indie label isn't going to do it for you either. They're going to maybe provide you some, some services that you can utilize, but you still either have to do it yourself or you have to pay for someone else to do it <laughs> because it, it's exactly it's a big C, right? You've got you've to rise to the top of the C of musician. And I'm not saying that to discourage people because I do believe that there is, there is a corner of the industry for everyone as long as you, know, you have a certain level of talent, but you've got to make it known. So as far as the business side, I mean, I would personally say, and this is hard for people to hear because most musicians are struggling monetarily, but the sooner you can hire someone to help you, the better, because then you can spend your time doing the things that only you can do, like writing Mm -hmm. music and performing. Um, You should understand the business side, but if you can hire someone to do all the administrative stuff for you and even like make the initial contacts for booking and stuff that can save you so much time. And you can hire, I've hired, well, like I've had family members help me. I have hired, my, my first daughter started working for me when she was 11. Like she was creating like images for social media. Mm -hmm. You know, I've hired um, college students at minimum wage I have a a VA that has worked with me for, has it really been three years? Three years (laughs) Um, from the Philippines, you know, and and they don't need to be paid as much because of the the cost of living there. And they're they're amazing. Um, You know, you can hire people locally, you can hire people online, you can hire people that specialize in this stuff, or you can hire people that aren't specialized in this stuff and you don't have to pay as much for those people. And if you can train them or you can get a program that can train them, then you don't, you know, then you can just set them on their way. So like mm-hmm. one thing I talk about in my Rock Your Next Release program is, hey, like you can take all this information and you can go use it or you can, 
get a virtual assistant and say, here, execute this for me. And, and that's a useful way to do it too. Instead of having to hire, you know, a management company or an agent or, you know, any, any of those people that are going to charge you a lot of money, even like a social media company, right? right. You could I, I- in Get the beginning, you just need like, like you said, and there, and you said college student, but gosh, there are high school students that are quite proficient at social media and some of these other things, or creating graphics, or doing anything. And and I, the one thing I want people to understand in is you don't have to hire somebody full time. Like I think there's this myth of well, if I hire them, it's got I got to offer them this. It's like in the beginning, the first hires I did was well, I you can work this many hours, four hours a day for two days, and they were like. Because people are looking to have multiple streams of income anyway and try different things. But I've also had co-op students from the high school come at like two o'clock to my office and then they get paid and you can pay them a, a lower wage because they're also getting graded. And all I have to do is fill out the paperwork for their grade and they work from two to five and it's just a great way for them to learn. I've done this numerous times and it's been really awesome to sort of mentor some, a young person who's on their way. It's usually in in business. They're, they're trying to get a business degree or that's what they want to go to college for. So gosh, call the local high school and talk to the co-op programs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so many ways to get somebody in there. Now you've got to know what you're going to give them. You, they're not just right. going to show up and like, then they're going to just start working. Like you, <laughs> you have to tell them, you have to have <laughs> a list of things. That, Absolutely. That they <laughs> Cause they won't necessarily know that is for positive. Nope. <laughs> oh my gosh. This has been so great. So this is sort of our signature question of the show. And that is, what does working from your happy place mean to you? I, for me, it means I don't feel any pit in my stomach when I think about doing the work. Like, obviously, not all the work is fun and not all the work is easy. But there's a difference between like feeling like, wow, this is going to be a challenge. You know, this might be a, this might be a little bit difficult. This is out of my comfort zone. Two, if I think about doing that thing, I'm gonna I feel like I wanna throw up. Yep. And I've been there. I've mm-hmm. been there. And that's when I knew, you know, like for example, I needed to leave the opera because the stress was too much. And trying to balance that with having a baby and wanting to do music and and that frustration of not being able to do that and the stress of the actual job. I was like thinking about walking into this building makes me want to throw up. And that's when I knew that I needed to leave. Wait, it's a such a vivid description, but isn't that the such the truth? It is. <laughs> it's that bit in your stomach where you go, I'm just tired of doing this. And you know that you just need then to find that place that just makes you happy. That even if it's hard work, even if you're nervous, even if there's fear, because there is that feeling in your stomach of fear, but it's the different than the pit in your stomach of, oh my gosh, do I have to do this? Yes. Ugh. Oh man. Well, I lo- loved this so very, very much. And so in closing, any new and exciting things that you're working on and how can our audience 
uh, find you? Yeah. So I think the best place that they can find me that's going to be the most useful is to listen to the Profitable Musician Show podcast. Because, you know, like you said, 95% of the people are saying they need help with the business side. And that show just focuses on so many different ways you can make money or you can optimize what you're doing to make money so you can make more music. Because if we don't... (laughs) Like music is not a cheap proposition as far as even a hobby versus uh, making a living with it. You've got to be bringing in money to keep keep feeding the beast, right? So mm-hmm. uh, the Profitable Musician Show is on all places you can listen to podcasts or ProfitableMusician.com. Definitely, I'd love for you guys to follow me on Instagram at ProfitableMusicianLLC or TikTok at ProfitableMusician. Um, and then I do have something that I think would be super helpful for your listeners. And you can find that at profitablemusician.com, but you can also go to profitablemusician.com slash income and get our 39 little known streams of income for musicians. And this is going to open up your, your eyes and your mind to what you can do outside of just the traditional, you know, playing bars and and, uh, you know, getting 50% of the door or, you know, just doing all the traditional, you know, making royalties um, that are like pennies on streaming platforms and, you know, things like that. There are so many other ways that you can make money with your music that you might not have thought of. So this will be super helpful. And then, you know, also just to mention, like I do have my Musicians Profit Path Accelerator program. And that is really for musicians that want to dial in all of this stuff, branding, social media, email, website, uh, performing and making money. So um, if anyone is interested in getting more info about that, they can just reach out to me at Bree, B-R-E-E, at femmusician.com, F-E-musician.com, or they can reach out to me on Instagram or TikTok or any of those places. Perfect. Gosh, and I just can't encourage people enough. You know, I, I'm i doing some new and different things right now, and I've had to go back to the drawing board, and I've been taking some courses. And gosh, it's it's exciting and exhilarating when you are learning about the ways that you want to do something. And I think a lot of people think, oh, I kind of know that, or should I spend the money on that? And if it if it, it sparks that fuel in you or that passion in you or puts you on a path on how to actually make it happen, like people need to educate themselves. And so I just really want to encourage people, if it's something on their heart of wanting to pursue this and they just don't know where to go, it's like get educated on it. You know, we all need to remain students. I've been doing business for 30 plus years, but I'm right currently this minute taking two different courses and two different paths that are going to be really important for me in this next phase. And we never, we never stop learning. You always have to keep learning. And so, gosh, I just really want to encourage people out there. Sometimes they think, oh, do I really need that? Or do I want to spend the money on on my education piece of this, but gosh, it's, it's the way that you continue to grow. Oh, so true. I always am either taking a course or am getting some kind of coaching on something because you've always got to be moving forward in your business. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Bree, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. And thank you for the work that you're doing and introducing us to new artists and helping them in their journey. It's just so important. And I appreciate that very much. So thank you for being our guest today. 
You're welcome. And thank you for what you're doing with this podcast. Oh, thanks. To all of our listeners out there, thank you for joining us. We know you have a choice of where to spend your time. We're so grateful you chose to spend it with us today. Please uh, follow us or subscribe so you don't miss a single great episode. You can follow us on Instagram. But the best thing that you can do for Brie or myself is to share this with a friend. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time on Work From Your Happy Place. Thanks for joining us at Work From Your Happy Place. If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends and be sure to rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher. For a free gift on finding your own happy place, please visit workfromyourhappyplace.com and click on the free audio button. Thanks again for listening. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com.